Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. And this week we are looking at Season 2, Episode 7, The Candidate, in which Frasier and Oz endorse the Democrat Phil Patterson running for Congress, only to discover he's harboring a strange secret. So Kay, in this episode, Phil Patterson claims he was abducted by aliens, of course. I want to know, where do you stand on not just, you know, UFOs and extraterrestrial life, but unexplained phenomena more generally? Are you Fox Mulder and you want to believe? Or are you Dana Scully and you're a hard skeptic? <laughs> I want to know. Um, okay, two points. One, I, I do think there's some kind of alien life out there. Mm-hmm. Um, not in this solar system. And I don't yeah. think little men living on Mars. But I do think there is, <laughs> there is alien life out there somewhere, just because... It's boring, if not. So I've got to believe there's something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in terms of weird and strange happenings, I'm someone who really wants to believe in in strange happenings. I I don't know if I do. I'm I'm hard mm-hmm. to probably convince. I want to believe it just because I want. In the same way, I want to believe in magic. I want to have the unknown. I think that's very beautifully put. I want to have the unknown. I think that's exactly how I feel. I've always been since I was a kid. Kind of obsessed one with with scaring myself or having other people scare me i always wanted people to tell me ghost stories and stuff but like yeah i mean there's a book you may or may not remember this but like i discovered it in primary school Dis- i remember this book yeah you remember the book that's amazing yeah. that you remember this so buried right below all of the books at the back of this classroom was a book called mysteries of the unexplained and it's a reader's digest book so american presumably american published and uh, it's full. It's a compendium of things from UFO abductions to the Mary Celeste to exorcisms. It was like a Bible of a crazy, scary, mysterious phenomena that have happened over the years. And I adored that book when I was a kid. And it was like everything that I was interested in at the time was kind of contained in that book. Years down the line, and I'm talking probably about seven or eight years ago now, my sister-in-law's uh, mom, she worked at a library and she was able to track down a copy. And it's the exact edition that I used at school. And I'm not ashamed to say that I still have that copy on my shelf right now, even though it's a library copy, but uh, I still have that. And yeah, I just, I'm, I like Yuki and I'm like Fox Mulder from the X-Files. I want to believe. I want to get that poster that everyone had in the 90s with the UFO on it that says I want to believe. <laughs> um, I just think life is more interesting if you if you entertain the possibility of these things. And I'm I someone think, as well in like films and books and stuff. I don't always like having all the answers. I like things being left unsaid. Yeah, I think if we know everything, it's very dull. Mm. I, I want that unknown. I want that. Oh, yeah, it could, it could happen. You know, I completely not. agree. You know, where's the spice in life if you if you know everything? So, um, and of course, we are, you know, the the founding members of Ghost Gang. Oh school. my God, I cannot <laughs> believe you remember this. Do you want to tell listeners what Ghost Gang was, Kay? Because I'm I, I dying don't to hear. Words, words can do it justice. <laughs> I remember we used to show it to GG. <laughs> we did, JJ. So this was in primary school for context. Um, because I think at one stage it pretty much got banned by the teachers because we were <laughs> We were too I mean, prolific. We were taking out too many spirits on the school ground <laughs> and just yeah. Um, I think we had some kind of was it, we were basically living on a hellmouth. We was like <laughs> that is what it was. There were spirits, there were demons, and we, we sorted them out, didn't we? We did. We were kind of like it was a bit like a proto supernatural type thing. That's in the TV show going on. We would roam the playground together, taking out what we believed to be demons, ghosts, and and other nasties. Um, and I do you remember a strange wooden face carved in a lock that we used to kind of pretend was like some kind of supreme overlord that we, we pretend he was. He, he was. was 
<laughs> you remember that? Overboard. Honestly, I was at that playground probably in the in the summer about two months ago because my brother just obviously he works in there and he's like, should we go just play football, kick about on the field? And they still have those logs there, and I didn't go over there. But part of me was like, man, I need to go over and see if it's still there. But a lot of it's changed, so I don't know. But yeah, there was this for listeners. There was this creepy face etched in a, like a wooden climbing frame, and Key and I used to kind of pretend it was the uh, the, the overseer to, to Ghost Gang. Um, we were very imaginative kids, I think. But what was remarkable is, you know, probably listeners are thinking, oh, this is Will and Key and they're weird children on their own. But after a while, this kind of took off. And I remember pretty much everyone in in our class at one stage tried to get in GG. Oh, everyone wanted to be in GG. We were, we were honestly just had like a recruitment drive by the end. <laughs> there was, was one guy and he was... He was like the, the class bully. He was quite tough and all this. And I remember him vividly saying to me, I can see through rocks into another dimension. Oh, my God. I, Without naming anyone or getting into personal details, I cannot believe I've just had a flood of nostalgia. I remember that exact moment. I don't know who exactly you're talking about. <laughs> That is incredible. But I imagine our memory, actually, our memory capacity for primary school is probably really high. I feel like I remember most of what happened in primary school, which often comes out when we do these little recollections. So I can say it's so strange how you can completely forget a moment and the second someone else mentions it, everything comes flooding back. It's absolutely crazy. Um, this podcast has reminded me of that a lot just because of how long we go back and yet, you know, we, we don't speak like every day. So when we do speak, it's like these little triggers, these things that haven't been said for however long. It's just, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. What a lovely trip down memory lane. Re remembering Ghost Gang and UFOs to uh, to get us into Phil Patterson and the candidate. Can you remember what the animation watch was this week? Eh? I think, was it a red light? It was actually really nice because it matched the font colour. You know, the font colour changes every season. Did, yeah. And I don't think that has much rhyme or reason to it. So I think I probably said this before. I think gold and silver are like the last two seasons. But I have that multicoloured box set. And so, for example, season seven is gold, but the font color is probably like green or something. They don't—I don't know why they chose those colors when they could have just so easily made them match the uh, the font color. But that's an argument for a different day. Um, I've just realised we're getting into the review, and we haven't gone to trivia corner. <laughs> so, are you ready to tuck yourself in a trivia corner this week? Eh? I am indeed. Excellent. Let's uh, let's skiddle back from Animation Watch. Uh, we've been sent some from Hamish, Anna, and Niall again, and of course Corey. You've got your three for me. Um, I'm going to read this. In fact, in fact, Ludicrous Popinjay, a, a new quizmaster, has entered the ring and also sent us three questions. I have a feeling there might be some overlap with yours though i haven't read them fully yet but this is this is amazing so i've got three sets on my end you've got your three keys so i'll read out a couple for you before you read yours for me so ludicrous poppin jay what does martin cite to duke as his inspiration to expose his bullet wound for holden thorpe's tv ad oh i think um doesn't he say that he was inspired by lyndon johnson showing his scar he does indeed i mean i'm a big fan of lyndon johnson we have a mutual friend actually jacko who is a huge lbj fan and i was not aware that he ever did this so i learned something new from this episode um, lyndon b johnson got up to a lot of weird stuff he, did. I he was that... obsessed with his his dick wasn't he yeah i know i remember being told he used to just whip it out just to show people he had balls <laughs> and he used to take people to have a slash against the side of his cadillac just to get to know them to bond wow 
Some, so honestly, they don't make them like they did LBJ anymore. Right. He's actually a quite a popular, in retrospect, these days, quite a popular um, president for a lot of the civil rights stuff he did. But, you know, no, no president has a squeaky clean record, so we won't get into that. Um, how long before this episode did Phil Patterson's abduction take place? I like this question. Okay, I think I do know. I think, didn't he say um, six years ago I was he abducted by did. aliens? did. Well, Plaker, you're on two out of three here for Ludacris Poppinjay. Oh. In- incidentally, can you remember uh, what Ludacris Poppinjay is from, episode of Frasier? Remember when that's a quote? Oh, um... Don't worry if you can't. I'm, I'm turning a question here on you and you didn't expect one. <laughs> In my head, and I'm pretty sure it's not this, it's just what I think of Niles. It's when he gets the bird stuck on his head. Just because... <laughs> That's what I think he looks like, a ludicrous Poppinjay. Well, Niles does say it, but he says it to Rodney in the episode where Daphne dates the guy who looks exactly like him, mixed doubles. Um, oh, yeah. So there you go. I think I think they call him, he calls him a ludicrous Poppinjay. Um, I could be wrong there, so people will correct me if I am. Question three. Can you bring it home, Kay? On election night, Patterson loses to Thorpe by a wide margin. What percent of the vote does Patterson win? Okay, Patterson win, not Thorpe. Yes, that, sorry. Um, oh, yes, yeah. I thought I'd read the question wrong. But yeah, the question says, what percent of the votes does Patterson win? Obviously, he loses okay. the election. But yeah, what's his yeah. share of the votes? Um, Patterson gets 8%. Thorpe gets yes, 90%. He does. A bit of a landslide, I think it's fair to call <laughs> Somewhat that Somewhat of a landslide. <laughs> um, bonus question here. Martin says they've counted absentee ballots for Patterson from where? Um, oh, we... Does he, it's from Superman, isn't it? Is it uh, it, Krypton? Is, it is the planet Krypton. Yeah. Not only have you got four there, Key, but there's a nice reference. Krypton, I often say Key's kryptonite is the visual <laughs> questions. Um, there may or may not be one of those lurking somewhere today. Oh, no. um, but yeah, absolutely excellent, Key. Really good stuff. I tell you what, I'll, I will read Hamish's and his assorted questions for you. You read me yours and Mischief Knights if you want, because I haven't looked at Mischief Knights. Um, okay, yeah. So, oh, in Did fact, me- I just realised your third question and Mischief Knights do clash. Um, okay. So w- that's fine. We'll just you, you continue with yours, and sadly, we'll have to uh, cut Mischief off again, which we did last week. And uh, I'm so sorry, Corey. I'm so sorry. Okay. So I'll do my three questions, and then are you going to do three, and then up? Well, you're going to do whatever. Yeah, we'll, fi- we'll finish on uh, on you asking me MKs. Okay. So my Excellent. first question. Let's let's go. What was General Patton's eccentricity? Oh, bugger, bugger, bugger. So this is when Frazier's, yeah, he's talking about various political leaders having their uh, their eccentricities. I really, I really don't know. He, if he's in the military, I'm going to guess it was something about being hyper-organized, possibly kind of obsessive-compulsive in some way. I'll give you a clue. I would say this isn't necessarily a wacky belief. I'd say this is the religious belief i think a bit harsh from fraser here oh okay um maybe he like prayed every night before bed i'm gonna say that oh uh, he believed in reincarnation oh man that's a really really good question i completely forgot that actually but i didn't i wonder if that's true or whether that's kind of an embellishment from the writers um, i have a feeling that might be true it feels like the sort of thing that's true i don't think it's i don't think it's that wacky i think a lot oh, of yeah. people who believe in reincarnation if you need to part of a lot of religions and uh, i don't think a lot of people in the military would uh would maybe turn to that as well um um, history.com i don't know how reliable it is a website um (laughs) says that Patton claimed that he'd seen combat many times before in previous lives including as a roman legionnaire and as part of the 14th century army of john the blind of bohemia jeez i love that i mean whether or not you believe that we've talked about unexplained phenomena 
I think, you know, it's interesting nonetheless. So, um, excellent question. Sorry I got okay. it wrong. <laughs> so, so, my second question. Let's roll. Um, and Fraser asks for the specials, mm -hmm. gets told that it's Kenya Blend, or what are the other specials? Okay. Before I even start, I think this might be Adder's question, so I've had another clash. Okay. Um, we're, this is going to happen, I'm afraid. When there's nothing we can do about this. Just take it as a compliment that you have a mind like Kitty. So um, I think this is going to happen most weeks. So uh, we'll, we'll, I'm really sorry, Anna, but we'll uh, I'll double check this. Um, so there's, yeah, there's the Kenya blend. There's yeah, so I'm looking for three others. The one of them's a Brazilian. Is it something like dark roast or roast dark Brazilian? Hang on, dark roast Brazilian. Oh, yeah, dark roast Brazilian. Then Salvadorian or yes, yeah, yeah. Salvadorian. Yeah. Oh, the last one. Well. Oh, okay. I know where it's from, but I can't remember the name specifically. It's from Hawaii because she says that they slaughtered too many macadamia nuts. Hawaii Konya Kona. Oh well, no. I'm giving it to you, mate. I'm giving it to you. Why is it? I think it's Hawaiian. I would say, I would pronounce it Kona blend. Oh, I think we I think we've we've did we did this on a different podcast. This Kona has been mentioned before, and we had to ask listeners what it was. That exact. This has definitely happened before in Navosa. He's had a Kona. You are you're bang on. Well, oh, it is a dark Salvadoran and Hawaiian Kona blend. Thanks, man. That feels nice. Well done, mate. Well done. <laughs> okay, and my final question. Lay it on, on the night of recording the advert, mm -hmm. how long is it until the date of the election? Oh, I really don't know this. Can you tell me, is it expressed in days, months, or weeks? It's expressed in weeks. Weeks. I don't know why, but because he said about six years ago of the abduction, I feel like there might be a bit of an internal repetition, so I'm going to say six weeks. Oh, well, it, it's three weeks. Ah, damn. Oh, well, I think that's as, as educated as I guess as I could have uh, mustered there, so not too bad. Um, but thank you, Kay. Excellent questions there. All right, I'll ask you um, Hamish's and Anna's and Niles, though. Unfortunately, apologies to Anna for that. Okay, so the first three from Hamish, a.k.a. Cam Winston. Question one, who, quote, said it best? This is based on a title oh. card. <laughs> Oh, okay. I genuinely did. I wasn't sure what you were doing at all, to be honest. With you. <laughs> so, who quote best. said it best? This is to do with a title card, the first oh. title card of the show. First one. Okay, right. Um, and it was. It says blank said it best on the title card. I remember. I remember one of them is Citizen Crane. I got that, that. That's a great title card. But that is not what's happened here. Um, that's not what I'm looking for here. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say maybe. Hopper said it best, something like that, maybe. Father said it best. It was Andy Warhol said it best. <laughs> I actually want to no bring that up later um, about what that's referencing. So uh, may maybe some people called him Papa. He was a pretty big <laughs> figure in the art world. So uh, you could be forgiven there. Okay. Um, Andy Warhol said it best. Question two from Hamish. On which page of the paper does Daphne find out it's Margaret Thatcher when she's talking about her uncle's scoop? Oh, I, oh yeah, okay. No, I do. I'm sure. Oh, it's the page. Oh. I love. I absolutely love this. I just love the way she delivers. You turn to this page, and it turns out it's Margaret Thatcher. But then you've already bought the paper. Um, oh, what was it, the page? okay, okay. I can do this. Um, oh no, I can't do this. Oh no, those cogs were in. I don't think I know it. I'm, oh no, we have okay. to get. 
I'll give you a clue. It's less than five. I'm gonna, okay, it's either, it's, okay, I'm going to say it's either page two or three. I've just got to take one. It's a stab in the dark. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, because in this country, there is a thing about, obviously, page three. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret Thatcher's not someone you ever want to see on page three. I'm going to say... <laughs> She's not. Page three. It's page two, Gary! <laughs> one page all, out. <laughs> I thought it was page two, and then I thought oh, I got away for the sake of a joke. And Oh, no. Page two, I'm afraid. That's a cracking question, though. I really like that. That whole Daphne monologue, I've got some questions about that, actually. Cause I, I, I feel like I've been bashing Daphne a lot in the last couple of weeks, um, but I'm not a giant fan of that that anecdote. I won't lie, but we'll get there. Um, and final question for Hamish. Who was this episode dedicated to? Oh, God. Did you <laughs> did you see that? It comes up at the end of the episode on the screen, but you might have, uh, you might have like me, prematurely closed the episode before this show's. Yeah, because I, I was running quite late. Yeah, you you have watching. had a tight schedule this week. We can we can um, say that. So. so as soon as it was done, I think I'll be on. Okay, so dedicated. Honestly, it... if, if even if you don't if you didn't see this, I don't see how you could ever guess it. So I um I feel Is it for just you a here. completely random person. I assume it was someone who was involved with this show, but it's not a name I recognise. Oh, I know it. Yeah, yeah, obvious. Kennedy Burling. <laughs> Kennedy Burling oh. has died. His hair. <laughs> um, no, it was uh, it was Robert Crosby. Robert Crosby. Thankfully, Kennedy um, Burling is still alive and well. Last I checked, anyway. Um, but uh, there you go. So that means that zero out of three. And, and, and Key actually, if, uh, Hamish put. Um, let me put it here. But also mentioned to Key that as a trivia master, I'm not happy. He's got six of my questions on the bounce, and that I'm gunning for him. If he continues, <laughs> I will join forces with Corey, and he will go down. So Hamish. Hey, you've got your me. dream oh, i'm down i am down <laughs> you are down for the count um anna so sorry we can't read out your question it was excellent um but amazing that you and key have kind of simpatico there uh Niall marsh's question a nice short and simple one key the answer's one word where are the exchange students from? Guatemala. Yes, they yes, are. I wonder if they time. speak idiomatic Guatemalan, like, uh, <laughs> like what's her name, Marta, but there you go. So that just leaves MK. Do you okay. want to go, uh, so uh, MK is two questions because I, I stole one, basically. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Mischief Knight's uh, first question. <clears throat> Lay it on me. What is the first non-flattering illusion that is made about Holden Thorpe in this episode? I actually think I know this one because, I, again, it's a line I'm not 100% on. I believe it's he's like, oh, well, he's called fascist first, but then they say he's like Himmler without the whimsy. So that's my answer. Yeah, that's bang on. That's Mischief yes. Knight's answer. Too. There we go. Okay, and it's a similar question to one I asked, mm-hmm. um, but it is different. What three reasons does Fraser give for boycotting the various coffees? Oh, okay. So the Brazilians, he's not the deforestation or what they're doing to our rainforests. Yep. Um, Salvadorians is their human rights violations. Uh, it's not the macadamia not swan. Not the macadamia. It's the it's first one. It's one. Kenya, and I can't. I have no idea what he says for Kenya. Um, oh. Maybe like, I don't know, unethical work conditions. I'm not, the Kenya one's completely gone. Poaching elephants. Oh, very, yeah, very apt, I guess. So, And we can't read out the third one, can we? I mean, well, it's as of the taping of Fraser's commercial for Phil. How long is it until election night? 
man. I'm so, so did I, yeah, I, had I clocked already that I mentioned earlier that that was a clash as well? I think I did. I can't remember. But that's two clashes. Yeah. So some kind of personal best for us fucking things up in the, uh, in the in trivia corner. Uh, but thank you, everyone who submitted stuff. Um, really, really cracking questions there. A bit of a mixed bag, actually. I feel like I did okay on some, not so well on others. But um, I, uh, I fell apart in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a tale of two halves for you, Kate. Okay? But, uh, but there we go. Don't you hate it when bad things happen to good trivia? <laughs> <laughs> I do hate that. Um, okay, getting into the review that I prematurely started, so we have the animation. Um, Andy Warhol said it best, according to the title card and our trivia question. Do you know what this is a reference to, Key? Andy Warhol was very famous for a very famous kind of line or... What's what's the, the phrase non non sequitur? Yeah, non sequitur. Um, I think it's like a, it's it's quite a famous one that's attributed to him, and I wondered if you if you knew what it was. All I know about Andy Warhol didn't he do the the one with the soup? He did. That is that is Andy Warhol, pop artist, and kind of yeah. Oh wait, there is one. I think Ooh. it might be Andy Warhol. You know, Ooh. is it about fame? Yes. Everyone will be famous for fifteen minutes. There it is. Yeah. Excellent work, man. Excellent work. Wow. But yeah, um, so a really, really famous little quote there. Um, I'm not sure I, whether it's, you know, whether I agree with it or not. It's obviously, it's probably said tongue in cheek. Um, but, you know, I think it's got a lot of truth to it. A lot of people are in your life, you know, sometimes they'll appear on like regional news because they're in the right place at the right time. And that's the closest they'll ever get to that. And so then you start to think, you know, maybe, maybe Andy Warhol is onto something. But if you want to see a really weird Andy Warhol video, people, just go and search on YouTube him eating a burger um he did an advert for burger king or mcdonald's and he's eating a burger for like 15 minutes and it's the most unsettling thing you'll ever watch you might not you might not eat a burger again but, uh, but there you go himmler without the whimsy key is, is this is this funny to you i don't i don't quite get it like is there just the joke that himmler had no whimsy but then why himmler and not just hitler like, you know, why have they had to go that slightly more obscure route um it's just a, it's interesting to me that he names himmler i don't know yeah, I mean, I always, I mean, I suppose in my head, I do see Himmler as the Nazi party, like one of the dour ones, I suppose. Like, yeah. He's obviously got the glasses, and, but none of them were life and soul of the past. <laughs> I don't think any of them had whimsy. I mean, <laughs> Hitler painted a little bit, but I mean, he was still, you know, evil incarnate. So. To be honest with you, something actually that really bugs me is when people compare politicians to the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. Because like they might not be a good person, they might be a bad person. They might you might completely disagree with their policies, but unless they're actually in the act of committing genocide, mm-hmm. they're not as bad as the Nazis. No, it's completely like, true. There's a this so carry on. really irritates me because I just, I just think it, it cheapens what you're saying. I don't know, just to compare mm. everyone to this standard of evil that's not been seen before or since. You know, I, 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 compl- I completely agree. There's um there's something called Godwin's Law, which is more of an internet-based thing. You might be familiar with this, but basically the idea is it's it's a bit like um you know like like Pascal's wager. It's like a philosophical concept that someone's online has coined. The idea is if any argument on the internet goes on for long enough, eventually Eventually, the Nazis or Hitler will be brought up. Um, and it, I mean, it doesn't need to go on for very long. You watch any argument on Twitter and it's kind of without fail. Hitler and the Nazis will come up pretty, pretty quickly within like, like to 10 degrees of separation. So um, I, mean, I do think the reason they go for Himmler in this joke, I think <clears throat> I do think it's an attempt to make it funnier because Hitler's the obvious one everyone goes to. Yeah. I think to name just a different Nazi. I think if they'd have gone, oh, it's like Goebbels without the whimsy or 
something mm-hmm. like that. I, just, I think that's probably what they're aiming for. Yeah, um, I think it's it's kind of like it's typical of Fraser writers, isn't it, to go the slightly more obscure route. So I think we can we can forgive them for uh, well, not forgive them. It's it's me taking umbrage here. The line's perfectly fine. So, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I do like the word whimsy. I just yeah, I, think I mean, we've had that before as well with Lord Peter Whimsy. No, not not yet. We're, we will have it in Fraser when he says, you know. I've got you a detective outfit for Halloween. You'll be going as Lord Peter Whimsy. And then Martin's like, I'm not going anywhere. I've got to say my name's Whimsy. So, you know, the, the line's got a bit of mileage in the Fraser universe. Um, so in this episode, generally, Martin voting Republican makes complete sense to me. I'm assuming it makes complete sense to you. Yeah, I mean, if anything, actually, do they say at any stage what party they are for? Actually, that's a very good point. Um, oh, yeah, because I, I was quite surprised when you said earlier about Republican. I don't think they ever actually specifically say. I mean, I think you can tell from their policies. You could probably work it out. That is a very good point, actually. And at the risk of possibly alienating all of our listeners, um, <laughs> I can only apologise for jumping to the conclusion there. Um, I think the I think we're meant to believe that they are Republican and Patterson is a Democrat because it's just generally the way Fraser and Niles are, they're pretty kind of liberal and it's hard. It's hard. I feel like I'm digging myself into a hole here, but I feel, <laughs> I, I feel like them too are Democrats. Um, and the fact that Patterson makes that reference to California, which I feel like I'm pretty confident in saying has always been fair, fairly, a yeah, fairly blue. strong Democrat. Um, yeah, blue state, is it? Yeah, I think it's a fairly yeah. strong uh, Democrat stronghold. So I think that's why I've drawn the drawn the conclusions there. Um, all, I've, um, all I can hear right now is Homer Simpson's voice. How are we going to get out? We'll dig our way out. <laughs> we'll dig our way out. <laughs> Just so digging. people, please get in touch. If you think maybe Patterson was the Republican, then please. Then we'd love to hear that. But I feel like I'm not stepping on anyone's toes when I make that assumption. We're, we're not wading into whether we think you should vote Republican or Democrat. Um, that is absolutely not what we're going to be doing this episode. No one comes to we're listening to listen to political uh, partisanship. So there we go. Yeah, That's I mean, out of the way. I'm, I'm with you that I did assume that thought was Republican. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think that there is this view, and as someone who doesn't know necessarily a great deal about American politics generally or the intricacies of it, it is a view that um, maybe the Republican Party are a bit more like the Conservative Party in this country, mm-hmm. whereas the Democrats are a bit more like Labour. And if you use that analogy, I think we would probably assume Thorpe is a, a Conservative. and a, I, I think that's probably how it resonates with us, is that Thorpe is the Republican. Yeah, I think um, so for sure. I don't know. I I know they're quite liberal, but I maybe it's because I know that Kelsey Grammer is a Republican. But I'm mm-hmm. surprised by the fact that Fraser and Niles are so horrified by Holden Thorpe in this episode. Yeah, they've I, not, they've not shown too much kind of um, I don't know what you would say. You know, obviously they're both naturally empathetic because you have to be to be a psychiatrist. But yeah, they haven't shown too much in the way of kind of progressive civil rights interest in those things, unless I'm forgetting some major moment. They haven't seemed to demonstrate that up to this point for us to to think, oh yeah, maybe there'll be one way or the other. Um, I think um, they call that out a little bit, I think, as well, when they're in Navosa and the little kid comes up and goes, cookies for camp. Can't you see I'm talking? Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I think the term I think we would use is like champagne socialism. Yeah. And I think that is, I mean, sherry socialism. How's that? <laughs> there you go. I think that's <laughs> what Fraser and Niles, um, ex- they, that's what they represent to me. They, they're obviously left leaning because, um, you know, just the way they generally conduct themselves. 
but are they completely in touch with what left-leaning politics is you know meant to be about i.e like the workforce labor you know blue-collar workers i'm i'm not so sure you know frazier in road warrior trying to reconnect with a man in a diner by buying him a coffee like it's the ultimate act of, of condescension but to him he's like you know finding america again so um I mean, yeah one thing we do in this country with every politician every single politician we ask them this question to prove that they're in touch with the people like oh so how much if you're an average person can you do your weekly shop for mm. and no politician has ever got the answer and right. Niles wouldn't be able to do this either would they like oh, absolutely not so um yeah i'm really interesting to think about how they'd vote and, and stuff and, and what we can work out from this episode but martin in the in the tv spot great line when I, my hip was shattered by an assassin's bullet like you know he's been told to say that by this kind of authoritarian political force behind thorpe that are kind of you know weaponizing the uh the kind of fact that he's you know an old ex-cop that's been wounded um i love the way he's mimicking his own voice like when he's listening to it on the tv like john mahoney's got like you know his head's really going he's predicting the next lines of course, Holden Thorpe is running because I can't. <laughs> I, love, um, I used to carry a gun. Now I carry a K. <laughs> now I carry a K. Absolutely amazing. Um, just, yeah, I love that. And then, obviously, he's, his defense is Thorpe's going to put more police on the street, which Daphne kind of assents to as well, which is um, which is interesting that she's kind of siding with Martin here. But I think she's kind of being a bit more nonpartisan and just responding to kind of populist politics there that's a policy you know most people at that you know especially in, in the 90s in Daphne's moment would be like yeah that's surely a good thing right you know not thinking I, about it too critically I'm assuming Daphne doesn't have a right to vote in America I would imagine not I assume you have to be naturalized as a citizen do you or can you even can you even vote when when you're a citizen I don't know how it works um, no I mean I would have thought maybe there's a few I don't know maybe residents for a certain period of time maybe but to be honest yeah. with you, I don't even know if you're. I don't know generally about voting in another country. I, I struggle to tell you the laws here. If you if you emigrate if you emigrate over here, mm. I struggle to tell you what the position is in regards to rights to vote. Yeah, I, it's it's a real right. kind of tricky one, I think, and there's a lot of red tape around it. So if anyone knows more about that, that'd be really interesting to know for sure. Um, have you ever eaten kidney pie, Kay? I have not, no, and no. I don't ever intend to. My mom used to always tells me how much she used to love like kidneys at school. Um, wow. She quite likes it, but no, it sounds revolting. Yeah, I've never had kidney in any shape or form. If it was in a pie, that's probably the most palatable I could have it because I love pie, I love pastry, you know, most people do. I think if it's in a pie with some veg and a gravy, you know, maybe I could I could sneak it down my palate without my brain realising what it is. But if I'm looking at a plate of kidney and I know that's what it is, I'm really, really going to struggle, I think. I don't even know what it looks like. I imagine like a bit, bit kind of like a brain-esque. A little bit pickled was, or something. Oh, I was going for something different. I thought like kidney beans look a little bit like. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, quite dark and yeah, quite small and yeah, very dark. I don't for know. Sure, I had kidney beans in my chili tonight. Actually, I felt like Martin cooking a, a homemade chili. But there you go. I say homemade, you know. Did you just not just say thirty seconds ago? I've never had. Oh wait, did you say chili beans or kidney beans? They were kidney beans, but that you, that, wait, that, you just said I've never had. Yeah, kidney but kidney, kidney, kidney beans aren't—they're not made of kidney, are they? That's just they're, they're called that because they're shaped like a kidney is that true i think so i think kidney beans are just a uh they're just a plant yeah i've, I've googled it yeah they're um 
They're named for its visual resemblance in shape and colour to a human kidney. Oh, this is an embarrassing moment for me. <laughs> there you go. So I had to check, to be honest, because, you know, I didn't know. But I, I love kidney beans. They've got a nice texture to them. There you go. Uh, Duke rings up here. We spoke about this last week or two weeks ago with Dukes. We hardly knew we. Um, hardly knew you. Me and you are so Duke and Marty here. I just I just love the fact that you know, they, they come on, they shoot the breeze, they just, just love chatting each other. Um, say that again, sorry. I've got, a lot of I've got a lot of showbiz secrets, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> um, also, yeah, just it's just interesting that this is happening. But um, yeah, I've, I, I feel like I had more to say about that, but I'm realizing the bullet point actually runs out before I... Uh, <laughs> I don't think I finished the point I was on. But yeah, it was just it, it, I just found it interesting that Duke was calling not two episodes since he was in it. And we were kind of debating, you know, is he ever in it again? physically and how often does he call so yeah i mean did you kind of make note that, that he was rigging mine yeah it did it, i mean certainly hearing us like, oh yeah yeah we said you know does, mm. is he still and i quite like the idea that they've stayed in touch and they've stayed friends it's nice and it's totally. quite sweet in a way yeah two episodes later but as well i'm also thinking because obviously at this stage um we don't see it but the characters see the second advert where Martin shows his proverbial derriere. Proverbial <laughs> derriere. <laughs> and, um, all I can think, have you ever seen, um, there was a very, very controversial, I think, American politics advert with like a, a nuclear bomb going off during the Cold War. Wow. I, don't, I, think, I may I, have seen it, but... I think it's very... I, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm sure there's a very, very famous one of a little girl and she's like picking daisies or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then a a bomb goes off and, and that's that and i think during the height of the oh, okay it wasn't i don't think it was a political advert it was a advert it looks like in the 1970s and actually it was actually about a, a british advert possibly either way one way or another <laughs> there was an advert once upon a time mm -hmm. uh, possibly british possibly american possibly british um and it involved a little girl uh picking a daisy or flowers and then a duck you see the fallout of a bomb and that's the episode and that's the advert um, Jeez. And I'm just wondering whether seeing Martin's proverbial derriere is he's 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 going to be on a top 10 worst adverts list with that, basically. <laughs> Will it be in some YouTube compilation years down the line? <laughs> yeah. I think it would probably be pretty shocking. You wouldn't want that advert to come on when you're eating your dinner, I think. I mean, it's interesting because I always thought he gets shot in the hip, but obviously Niles yeah. refers to his butt. Um, so I'm not quite sure of the... In fact, Corey did such an amazing job. Corey, your task this week, my friend, is to pinpoint on a doll exactly where Martin got shot that you can work out from his various, the way he moves, any evidence you can deduce there. That's your mission should you choose to accept it. Um, Frazier's in Novostra at this point. Um, I've just realized again, Key, I didn't. Did the coffee I count. didn't do the coffee count. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I'm pretty sure they have one coffee each i think okay i tell you what we're gonna call that two and i'll go back and check i, I tell you what i'll do I, I can't do it right now because it will take too long but i will put a note in at the end of this episode that i will pre i will re-record myself and i will do the coffee count total um it's my own fault for forgetting yet again it's just yeah i've got no excuses um fear is brought up a lot in this episode um you know fraser calls holden thorpe a fear monger um which i just thought was interesting because fear can be a very very powerful political tool i think um there's rarely an election in our lifetime in which fear doesn't kind of figure into it in some way and trying to instill fear and the mass media in general as well you know 
fear sells fear keeps people buying um i just think of lockdown everyone panic buying toilet roll you know fear gets into the in you know people's souls when stuff like this is happening so that was interesting to me and the literary reference for this episode which i thought was really significant was edmund burke like um the only the only thing to the only thing for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing or something like that i'm, I'm misquoting it but a really wonderful quote um and edmund burke someone i studied very briefly in my undergrad um he's kind of quite big critical theorist and yeah great gag about niles having that quote in a frame and not wanting to put it up in his office um, yeah really funny gag. i really like the quote as well and um and i think boston legal a show that i might have mentioned before on this this podcast yes there's a really nice ep- there's a really great episode of that where his boss i think they're they're representing a client who is a bad person it's going to make the world a worse place mm. um, and he gets told by his boss oh you've got to do it you know this is a business with profit organized we, we, we have to do it and he basically just looks at all the partners and goes there's a quote maybe you've heard of it all that it takes for evil to succeed is for good people to say, mm, well, it's a business. I really like that. I think that's a really just, I, I think, it, I, I don't know, I really like it. I think that, I think more so than people doing nothing, people often try to excuse bad behavior or the wrong or thing. Or people want to do a minimum, but make it seem like they're doing more. I think yes. I performativity yeah. is a massive part of it. People want to be seen like they're, uh, they're kind of, yeah. They're, they're not lying down and taking it but that's exactly what they are doing they're just doing it in a kind of yeah very elegant way um but it's a great quote and i think there's a lot of although this episode ends up de- devolving into into farce and i think that's one of its strongest points i think before it does that there's a lot of great stuff in here and learning about the way the the two brothers view the world and they view their politics and you know we actually get a real look into the two of them beyond their profession here thinking about kind of society at large which is they live in such a closed off insular world that this is the kind of thing that doesn't happen that often so um yeah um, what i really like about this episode is the way that the politics is addressed because i think particularly these days politics is so divisive and there is very much a current on social media that if you're not on the same side as me you're the bad guy and oh yeah it's as polarized as it's ever been yeah, you can't have just a, a simple and on you can't have a debate in the true sense of a word anymore or an no. argument in the true sense of a word because it just becomes mudslinging on both sides and i, I really dislike that but massively um, so what i like in this episode is there's whilst um fraser and niles clearly obviously they take pops at holden thor i think mm-hmm. as the viewer you're not really I, I think you can see both sides as the viewer because Holden thought wanting more cops on the streets. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. Patterson mm-hmm. seems like a nice guy and wants to help people, you know, homeless people and all that. So I don't think the episode necessarily portrays one as bad and one as good. Um, yeah. Even if, you know, Fraser and Niles do have a few pops at Holden Thor. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is like good versus bad. And I quite like that because it's not as divisive as, as our politics probably is now. I think that's a really good point. And other than Hawp's general kind of arrogant persona on the KSEL calling, that's all we have to go on to genuinely dislike him. We, we we dislike him by proxy because Fraser and Niles dislike him. The fact Martin and Bulldog like him kind of sets the show's balance. You know, a Martin, a main character, liking someone like that, who we're told, you know, we, we shouldn't like, it puts you on the horns of a dilemma a little bit because, you know, a lot of a lot of fans relate way more to Martin than they do to Fraser and Niles. You know, Martin is the everyman. You know, he's the straight guy. So I think it, people will watch this, and then you know that it really does. I think you're really right. It sets up a kind of a non-partisan approach. You, you're not meant to know who you who you should be siding with here. I have a suspicion whoever your favorite character is is who you'll end up voting with. 
Um, for example, Roz kind of liking Patterson is kind of not a surprise, but is maybe Roz is the hardest one to predict who she would prefer out of Thorpe and Patterson to me. But you know, she's shown that she's she's kind of the same way as Fraser and Niles by endorsing. I think Patterson. as well, I don't know. Bulldog makes a little comment about Pretty Boy Patterson as well, doesn't it? I don't know if that's yeah he's into it a little bit. Yeah, that's 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 funny actually. Oh yeah, yeah, and then um, he's like, yeah, relax, Ross. He's married, which is really yeah. a, it's a line I don't like because it completely undercuts Ross having any kind of political opinion because like Fraser just assumes she fancies him. Um, yeah, you know, which it, it's a there funny is... joke, but I mean, it, this episode really, really like they really attack Ross. Fraser does, and she calls him out on it after like, the third instance, which I mean, it's quite a way down my bullet point, but I'm glad she does. Yeah, and I think at this stage of the show, you're starting to think, okay, mate give it a rest yeah yeah move on because he, he does he goes to that well of humor a lot in terms of you know massively they're still relying on that bit. aren't they for like a quick cheap gag yeah yeah for sure for sure um so we have obviously to close out nervosa niles yelling at the child selling cookies um send a kid to camp <laughs> can't you see we're talking here <laughs> the way he's just talking it's hilarious generally I, I, niles in nervosa for me i think his performance is amazing in nervosa like the way he says i phoned patterson's headquarters and your name came up the way he delivers that line so simple i just think david hyde pierce is really really good in this episode and i love that particular scene in nervosa I, I, th I don't. I struggle to come up with times that David Hyde Pierce is not just amazing. Yeah. So yeah. He's, yeah. Like, I've run out of superlatives for him. He's phenomenal. Just lying. I mean, I know you love the way he says talking. I love just the way. I don't. He just. There's so much genuine, like, pent up aggression in the way he says it. <laughs> but he still kind of says it. So he, he still makes sure that he, he enunciates every word. And I really. That's what's love, funny, isn't it? Yeah. The way it comes out. It's fantastic. Excuse me. Can't you see we're talking here? <laughs> It's so good. Um, in in KACL, actually, after this, I've, I made a note that Bulldog's got his classic rugby shirt on that I always mention if I could find like a vintage copy of, it'd be so good to get. Like kind of green and yellow and purple. It's, it's absolutely nuts color-wise. But uh, getting smacked in the tongue with a tape, as he does from, from Ross here, it's a very unorthodox way to hurt someone. Would this would this hurt that much? Like getting getting whacked on the tongue? It doesn't really have much. Uh, there's not many. I don't know. I, it's it's kind of hard to hurt the tongue. I just I don't see this as hurting him that much. Why doesn't she just whack him in the groin or something? It's really weird because one, she's absolutely fine with just grabbing his tongue. Yeah, that That's is absolutely insane, isn't it? I'm not sticking my fingers in someone's mouth. Not <laughs> Bulldog's mouth. God knows where that's been. Then it just, I don't know. It's just a really weird way to hurt someone. It's very complex. I just, just hit him. <laughs> just smack him in the crotch. I mean, Bulldog has a fantastic line. His wife's a cow and he still loves her. And then Fraser's like, there's a bumper sticker. I mean, Fraser's bumper sticker, I'm pro opera and I vote, gets a lot of kind of funny gags. And I've seen a lot of pictures recently of people with that on their actual car. But I mean, some joke about the wife's a cow and I still love her would still make a really funny, if not horribly misogynistic, um, bumper sticker, which I'm sure some people would maybe get an ironic laugh out of. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll get your wife's permission before you put this on, on the car, but uh, I think there's a lot of uh, scope for that to be funny, to be produced in the same way the, the opera one is. Um, I think it's very much a set group of men who would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, bumper stickers, are these still big in America or is it a 90s thing? Because I feel like they've never been big over here. I certainly cannot remember the last time I saw. A no, maybe sticker. like on the back of a van and even then. I feel like all the ones I see are on like viral Twitter posts. You know, that's it. 
I don't yeah. see them in I, real life. Vague recollections of people sticking stuff on the inside of their back window, stuff like that. Yeah, not, yeah, a bit like baby on, on board and things like that. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, but not on the actual, not on a bumper. No, it's a funny one. Um, so Thorpe rings in at this point on KCL. Do you know who Thorpe is voiced by, Kay? No, but just before we get to that, it actually, um, it really, I'm always a bit surprised in a way because I never real, I always forget that Fraser's on air when he says he makes the crack about oh, and with your people, and with your plans, that's where they'll be on the street. Yeah, um, because then he goes, and we're back now. Um, listeners and who do we have on the line? I don't know, it always surprises me because I always think that he's he's off air. Yeah, no, I'm with he's, you there to be honest. He's I, making I, that crack to Bulldog and Roz. When it, this this time around watching that episode, I only just kind of quizzed as he was saying it. Like, oh man, this bit is actually on air. This is why Thorpe gets annoyed. But Thorpe's response is really quick. Like, Thorpe must be listening to the show and he phones in like a minute later, which is kind of hard to suspend your disbelief a little bit. I feel like this kind of line would have slipped through the cracks, but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting he says it on air, and the fact he's, he's not a, being partisan. Yeah, and he's got. I mean, Thorpe must have his number on speed dial. To I know. Have got him that fast. He, he clearly was KACL. Maybe he's thought of phoning in with some issues before. Um, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, did you did you recognise his voice at all? I don't think so. Who? No, it's uh, it's. I don't know how you say it. It's Sydney Pollack or Polak or Pollock. But he's quite famous, and I think you'll recognise him if you if you Google him. He's been in, he's been around since like the fifties in a lot of film and TV. Um, I know him most famously from Stanley Kubrick's last film, Eyes Wide Shut, which is incidentally like probably one of my favourite films. It's got Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. It's about like their marriage is falling apart, and Tom Cruise kind of joins. I guess you would describe it as some kind of weird sex cult. Um, but the film is like really mysterious. A really, really cool detail about this um, is every room in the film has has a Christmas tree with fairy lights on it. Um, and it's just a re the whole film set at Christmas, but it's a really interesting Kubrick style quirk. Um, but yeah, he's in that. He plays a slightly sinister dude in that. But I really recognize his voice. I didn't know it was him, so I had to kind of IMDB it. But I think he voices him very well. This whole uh, this whole monologue about I, I went in on the first wave on a surfboard, I suppose. <laughs> like that is amazing. And I've just realised I made a note. Sydney Pollock was in a film called Death Becomes Her, and we have an episode of Frasier called Death Becomes Him. Is yeah. that have we not already done that one? Wasn't that season one? With the, that was the, the one I really liked. Yeah. Where he goes on to the jewish man's house after he dies that's yeah. the one so there you go so um i think we might have i can't remember that episode was so long ago we might have remembered or googled that that was a film but a nice bit of closed circle there that he was in the film um I think though that sometimes our listeners think that me and you are very in sync and we're on the same wave we're very very <laughs> similar and these are one of those times that i can disprove that because will remembers sydney pollack from eyes wide shut a very kubrick style bit of a thriller i'm assuming it's a sex cult involved mm -hmm. it's a bit of a thriller yeah i googled him and i know him from the film made of honor in which he plays dr mcdreamy's dad in a rom-com <laughs> dr mcdreamy is a character of do you not know who Dr. McDreamy is? I don't know what Maid of Honor is. Okay, so um, Maid of Honor is a film. Uh, it starts Patrick Dempsey in the lead role. And he's basically, he's a bit of a playboy. He sleeps around a lot. He has a best friend who's a girl. She gets engaged and then he realizes he's in love with her. That's the plot of the, the film. Okay, okay. Um, Patrick Dempsey, the actor, is best known for his role. He was in Grey's Anatomy where he played uh, oh. Doctor who was known as Dr. McDreamy, <laughs> uh, which is, well, 
everyone Mark I don't know Mark anyone Mark. who refers to him by his real name. Everyone refers to him as Doctor McDreamy. <laughs> uh, uh, there we go. So you do know I'm, him. I'm out there watching a lot more rom coms than Willis. That's what we well, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, Always Watch Shut is not for everyone and I, it's not a film I would recommend to listeners or to you to go away and watch. It's like three hours and it's like it's very you've gotta be like into that kind of weird art house Kubrickian cinema um to, to enjoy. In contrast, it. I would recommend Made of Honor. It's, there you it's go. And to be honest, I think it sounds like the better end of the deal out of these two films. And when my girlfriend says oh i fancy a rom-com i have two go oh, no i've got three go-tos i've got to hear Proposal what these are with uh, sandra bullock and okay. ryan reynolds um not just seen. like heaven is okay. uh, i think reese witherspoon and mark ruffalo not seen it okay. <laughs> okay okay so the proposal basically um the boss of a big company no one likes a horrible person she's about to get deported needs to get married and basically forces one of her employees to marry her it's a good film it sounds <laughs> white in it. Okay, oh so. okay okay no it's good yeah sandra bullock ryan reynolds betty white perfect combo mm. um, well, just I'll, like i'll make a note it's like heaven is uh, Reese with a spoon, I think, and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. I moves into an apartment. Um, turns out it's haunted by the girl who is now in a coma that he falls in love with. Wow! Amazing how how can it be haunted if she's not dead yet? Oh, that's a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's just you're asking too many questions here. Who's paying you here? And the third rom com. Made of Honor. So, made of Honor. So the Holy yeah. Triumvirate is Made of Honor, The Proposal, and Just Like Heaven. Please, yes. listeners, if you've seen any of those, get in touch. <laughs> if indeed you've seen all three, Key would love to see your ranking of them, one to three. <laughs> oh, um, well, that's a good shout. And we can compare them there. It's um, a special episode of this podcast, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> uh, so we have here Fraser back at his apartment doing the spot for uh, for the TV the TV ad for, um, for Phil together we can live the dream and then phil patterson the same choice i mean what i don't know which line is funnier out of we could live the dream or the same choice i mean what's your pick oh i, I love the way patterson because he's so scripted it's I don't know. So he's just Barbie, isn't it and like just it pure california i really like the fact that we see fraser do it well before he messes it up because the you can actually when he does it the second time round, you can hear the audience laughing because they know what the next line is and they know how funny <laughs> yes. the delivery of that line is that's I, so I, good i think it works so well that you've seen him do it once other than would be you know if you hadn't had the first time round, when he delivers that second line um you know if he supports the little people and things mm. like that. It would be very funny. Mm. I just think it's funny. I think it draws it out and makes it funnier that you know what's coming. You can have those you know, four, five, six seconds when you're like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, this is the line. And yeah. I think it works really well. No, I completely agree. Um, I just, In fact, on Fraser Fan Club over on Facebook, John and Steve, who will be listening to this, they, they, they're very keen and strict on keeping politics out of Fraser fan club which i think is a policy all of us can get behind people go there for Fraser content not to be reminded that they're a good person or they're a bad person or whatever um so if any politics comes up they quickly you know throw the hammer down but there's always a picture that says keep Fraser fan club politics free the same choice and it's the picture of them too uh, Fraser and, and and patterson shaking hands so I really enjoy that. Um, why does Niles start down the path of advising on the lights here when he clearly knows nothing? Like, this line doesn't quite work for me because 
obviously Niles knows nothing about studio lighting. And the joke people will immediately say is, well, you know, it's Niles trying to show he's smart about something he doesn't fully understand. But I don't think that's something Niles does that often. That isn't a character trait of his too much. Like, it's probably in some episodes, but I just don't understand why he feels the need to comment on the lights. Like, it's just, I don't know. Maybe you just saw it as a funny gag for me. Even though it may may not seem it at first, it feels slightly out of character. I I don't like the light. I don't. I, I personally don't find it funny. I'm just a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. just, it's just a bit of a yeah, just a doer. Yeah, but I uh, for me the reason I think he says it. Obviously, Frage is very much the centre of attention here. Mm. Um, and I think Niles doesn't really know what he's meant to be doing because he's just he's just that's, there. A, that's a really good explanation. Every, everyone fair. else in that room has a job and a role because obviously Daphne and Co aren't back yet. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so everyone else in that room has a role and they have a job they're doing, whereas Niles is just there. So I that, think that's actually maybe... a really good point because of the way he jumps in at the table and says, "Oh, our pleasure, Phil," and then he launches into the the letter envelope licking and stuff. Brilliant so, little bit, yeah. Um, yeah. The point that can't <laughs> produce saliva. <laughs> What's this about? Is this a step too far in the Maris mythology? She can't produce saliva. If that were the case, she can't eat or drink. Like, so is this a step too far? Um, listen, Maris is an impossible character. She Come is, on. but this is like humanly impossible as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't even know how this would be negotiated if it were an actual ailment. Would you have to squirt saliva into your mouth that you want to eat? I mean, I don't think that it, I don't think it's saliva if you do that. I, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just. But I think your rationale for for the Niles thing makes perfect sense, actually. And I feel silly for even bringing it up, but you, no, I, yeah. I completely understand your point, mate. And uh, I do what I really love as well. I love, obviously, we said earlier on, um, you know, it's a bit strange that Bill Patterson is very, you know, we, we certainly see him as quite on the left, so a bit of a Democrat. For sure. Um, but we do, I think they point out this sort of juxtaposition here, really, because Kyle says, well, we've got all of our servants down there at your headquarters help it out i didn't even catch that yeah so it's just a massive massive example of champagne socialism at its finest there and maybe okay. kind of feel twigging it a little bit the line is uh, you know my wife marius actually has all of our servants down at your campaign headquarters licking envelopes she do it herself such a good but catch. poor dear can't produce saliva <laughs> the poor thing can't straddle anything wider than a border guy <laughs> um that's so <laughs> Daphne's oh. anecdote about her uncle and the scoop in the newspaper. I, you mentioned earlier this is, you know, you, you you enjoyed this. I feel a massive Scrooge for not enjoying it. But again, Daphne just, I still feel like they're trying to make her the wacky eccentric where she alienates others who, you know, aren't part of the, the bubble for Phil in this, in this example. But it just doesn't, it doesn't wash for me. I don't know. This just didn't really make me laugh in any way. And I feel a bit bad because people probably love this, but didn't do it for me. I, I do. I gotta be honest. I do kind of like this. Like, I mean, I don't. I mean, that's know fine. Or more power to you. I'm being a Scrooge. I don't know whether. I mean, there was a part of me that thought, could you make this line these days, making a joke about cross-dressing and stuff? Yeah, the joke is that yeah, you know, what you assume is a male politician wearing women's clothing and that being a really, really big deal. I don't know whether you can make that joke now. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, for sure. It, I, I do think it's funny because, of course, you don't think it's stature and then it's oh, obviously, yeah, it's. I, <laughs> I, for me, it works really well. Um, it's, yeah, that that's fair. I mean, I, 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 in fact, in many ways, I prefer it when there's a joke I don't like that you do like because it's infectious when other people like things. Um, like, I feel like maybe my last couple of weeks on here, I've defaulted to being slightly more skeptical about things that didn't quite work for me in the episodes, but I'm someone who fully believes, you know, you should be 
passionate about the things you enjoy and infe- it's infectious and stuff so i prefer hearing you say why you like it than than and probably listeners do than hearing me say why i dislike something because it's just it's never fun or interesting to hear why someone dislikes something so I'm with you. And I really love another thing I really like, but I love the way you emphasized. I believe that because in an episode about aliens, I think (laughs) I believe we could have the same choice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Patterson's performance on the balcony is really, really good, actually. The way he's kind of like looking away out at the city and he's like, I even thought about calling in a a few times myself and the way Kelsey's like, you know, really, what about? And that kind of line about being in the strictest confidence. I think Kelsey's great too. Really, really good. The way he he turns his head when when uh, Phil kind of drops the uh, the clangor that he's been abducted by aliens. Um, I think he's absolutely hilarious as well. Just the kind of great physical acting from uh, from Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, and I like I I think this. Me, I always think when they go out on the balcony, I find it a little bit like quite intimate. Just a two very, of the... very that space doesn't get used as much as it should, in my opinion. It does get used a fair bit, but not as much as it could be because this is a bit shines here. I'm just seeing, you know, him taking Tom Durant out there and taking <laughs> girl. Can we get a little one on one time? <laughs> <laughs> and what works so well is that it is this very like intimate moment, and then the horror on Kelsey's face. It's so good. It works so well. It's the, the complete change in an instant between yeah. the relationship between the two and then the chemistry. It's fantastic. It is. And speaking of changing in an instant, his next ad spot run through is obviously hilarious and yeah, a deeply concerned citizen. Um, the delivery of cares about the little people is hilarious as well. I can see that the studio audience would have had an absolute just a laugh riot with this. It's so good. Um, but then we have a really intimate moment again. Fraser and Niles in the kitchen, circumnavigating their ethics as they often do by Niles's ingenious idea that he will become Fraser's psychiatrist in that moment, um, which really doesn't seem dubious to me. Like, although it, 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 we're meant to think it is, it's perfectly valid because it still means the information can't leave the two of them. You know, there's no way it can leave the two of them unless they had a third psychiatrist involved. Yeah, now we're getting into the whole everyone's perception of psychiatrists. But, you know, it's nice to see them sitting around the kitchen island. We don't normally see this kind of setup very much. Um, I think that works really well. And uh, yeah, you know, Niles, fortunately, I know a trick to get around it. So. Frasier, it's borderline, but I'm desperate. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I really like that. And Frasier's lines about Patterson, you know, thinks he was beamed up for an interplanetary chit-chat or on KACL, an interplanetary tete-a-tete. Um, oh, is it? Yeah. Just so good. Um, one, sorry to, I feel like I've dominated speaking here. You're probably itching to get in. One final point for this section. Niles is wearing a Patterson badge. And I've, I've made a note. Why is he wearing a Patterson badge when he doesn't appear in the spot? You have answered my question. He's obviously got a badge on because he wants to feel a part of the happenings that evening. So I think that's a lovely physical nod to exactly what you said. I think so. I, I think that For sure. it's very much Niles trying to, to fit in. But I really as well, I love what you said. I, I love the whole bit about the ethics. I, I love the little trick. I think it's it's clever. And it's. I was actually fully expecting Fraser in a way to go, well, it's borderline sleazy, but I'm desperate. Ah, so, borderline sleazy, man. I forgot that. I mean, would have worked well, but um, no, I think it's a really fun little trick, and I love the way that he sets up that line with, well, nothing is more sacrosanct than our professional ethics. <laughs> I know a trick. I know so. a trick. Fortunately, I know a trick. So, so yeah, good. It's really uh, clever. Now, the way that scene just sort of builds up and essentially them talking over the top of each other, Fraser saying, oh, God, Niall, stop it. It's not getting us anywhere. I think it, it's really, it's built up nicely, but it, I think Fraser is at fault here a little bit because I think he builds up 
I think he over exaggerates a little bit about about Phil. Just you know, obviously he says, "Oh, they transport with their spaceship and kind of conference." But I, I, actually, no, he's right. It is bad. Uh, no, is bad. I, I know what you mean because Phil's very earnest, and he is at the end. And I want to talk about how he is at the end because I love the way they treat his character ultimately in this episode. But he is very earnest, and I think Frasier quickly jumps to ridicule and i know it's hard to resist that if someone told me they genuinely believed that they had been abducted by aliens obviously my first thought would be you know are they all there um in the head but you know it's it, phil is very earnest and you know if someone it's like if someone told me they believed in uh, there was a ghost haunting them and they were really earnest about that I would believe them whether or not I believe in ghosts. I would believe them because, you know, why would I not? Someone's confided in me that they're, they're you know, something's going on, they're uncomfortable, whatever. They've obviously sought some, sought me out. U UFOs is different because it's obviously, you know, I, I don't know why it's different, but it is. <laughs> you know, it's different to being haunted, to being saying you've been abducted by aliens. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't get people who are haunted because if, if I was sat, I'm alone in the flat right now, Shan's gone out. Mm -hmm. If, if you know, writing appears on the wall in front of me in blood saying, get out. Mm -hmm. God, I'm not staying. <laughs> You're not hanging out. around. <laughs> this flat belongs to the ghost. I am done. Bye-bye. You just let me get my stuff. I'm gone. You have the flat. I've got... I'm not fighting with a ghost. Let's no. be clear about that. You're going to lose. I've got some great anecdotes, actually. I'm not going to go on a giant tangent, but just for 30 seconds. A girl who lives near us used to be really good friends with my brother at school, and she was adamant something was haunting her house. And two anecdotes that stick out to me in particular. One was probably, it, it, well, it has to be made up. You'll see why. And I'm someone who wants to believe. I'm just thinking about this rationally. I, I, I entertain the idea that something creepy could have happened, but you'll see. The first one is she had a webcam on her on her camera, on her computer. And she came in one day and she the software for it was open on the computer and it had been recording. And she doesn't remember doing that. And it recorded like the figure of like someone in a wardrobe or like going inside her wardrobe, um, which is horrifying. And the other anecdote about about that girl and that house is that she used to do ballet and she left her uniform, you know, her shoes and, you know, whatever the, the, the top scored on her bedroom floor. And when she came back, the shoes had been tied to the curtain rail by their shoelaces. Um, this is the story she maintained for years and told people about. And I don't know why she'd have made it up. It, it has to be made up because that can't happen. You see what I mean? But she insists it did. And I think that is inherently extremely creepy. I mean, that really gets to me, those two stories. You yeah, know? This is... I'm hoping no one. I know some people have said they listen to this while they're going to sleep. I'm, yeah, this has taken a real creepy turn, actually. Um, I hate talking about this stuff late at night. I, I, I'm not joking when I tell listeners I won't sleep properly tonight. This will come back to me. Whenever that I. Is ridiculous. Sorry, you go. No, no, you go, you go. But it's a ridiculous thing when if I see something like a scary film late at night, I genuinely walk with my hand behind my back just in case it's oh, creeping up behind I, me. I've done that before. That's so weird. I would say probably recently as well. Um, but yeah, no, I have this thing where if I start telling you an anecdote like I just did out loud, saying it out loud really creeps me out and it kind of makes it real again and i suddenly remember it all over again and then it really kind of creeps me out so let's quickly move on because this is a long tangent about just, scary yeah. ghosts we'll go back to just at the end of that bit with niles and fraser in in the kitchen what i like is he not niles talks him around saying oh well it, you know and he, he talks him around saying oh it's, it's overwork it's a one-off thing you know it, he's still the same choice um but they're still incredibly dismissive at the end of this scene you know the way that 
Isles says, you know, he's still got to see. Sorry, Fraser says he's still got to see professional help. Um, but we're not going to turn our backs on him. Are you are you going to treat him? Well, and then Niles goes, no, no, I'm a, I'm a doctor, not a miracle worker. It's still incredibly dismissive of it. As they a, are cynical, aren't they? Um, which you know, they're science-minded as psychiatrists. They're gonna be, but then they're both very literary and they're like romantics in like the original sense of the word. And I just think part of them must entertain, you know, these things. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. They are quite cynical, and you know that earnestness of Phil. It's it's hard to, to kind of see past that a little bit, but you know they do. It, after this scene in KSCR, I've already talked about Roz kind of calling Fraser out on the uh, the slut shaming as he has kind of continually battered her with this this episode in particular. He's in a very bad mood with Roz. Um, she mentions Chopper Dave buzzing the, the the apartment from his helicopter, and the guy she was with was a Vietnam vet and started having flashbacks. Incredible line. How does one buzz an apartment from a helicopter? Can you ring the apartment's intercom? Is that how it works? I just imagined it with a light appears at your window, and I imagine if helicopters overhead, it's fairly loud. Light appears and and it blinds you and wakes you so up. So he just shines it into the apartment, you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think of it a little bit like... Um, again, I know I often reference The Simpsons on this, but... There's Please a, do. So I think where they get a pool and Homer and Marge are swimming in the pool mm. and Wiggum's in a helicopter overhead, blasts a big light on him and goes, please continue swimming naked. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Oh, come on. Continue. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think you're probably right. And also, I think I think in Vietnam they use like flares a lot at night. So like the spotlight of a helicopter at night would would look like that. So maybe that's what the flashback is. Other than the helicopter, obviously as well. You know, helicopters were used a lot in Vietnam. But obviously, um, maybe there's a couple of things going on there. I think I think this is a fantastic way now. Bulldog coming in about the aliens. This is a fantastic way to set up Frasier's ultimate complete undoing of phil patterson by getting his the wrong end of the stick but i just don't i don't some sometimes buy that bulldog would understand what the term alien is when meaning an illegal immigrant um maybe that term is way more common in general discourse in the u.s than it is over here because we don't really use the term alien over here unless you're in law or in the police or something do you buy that bulldog would be familiar with this term and you know wouldn't embellish enough for Frasier to tweak he's talking about something else I feel that could be wrong on this again we've all established I know nothing about American culture but <laughs> American TV shows that I've seen I feel the phrase illegal alien the go to phrase for so, sure okay illegal immigrants I, I feel that I, yeah, I, I could buy that they refer to them as aliens I, mm. I could be wrong just from other TV shows I've seen heard it quite a bit no, I think I think that's fair. Um, I just think this is a, a great, great moment. Like Ra's knocking on the glass and saying, "Frasier, please," and he's just not listening. He doesn't care. Again, Frasier is his own worst enemy. He's choosing not to listen to someone else. He's kind of just going on good instinct. And he end oh, I'd be interested to know if Patterson ever had a chance of winning this election. Are we meant to believe that the massive percentage in the vote is just based on this? this ufo thing i'm sure the you know foreign exchange students did something <laughs> you know they've got it they're from they're from guatemala you know you know he's, he's giving them bed and board um so yeah, yeah and, and that generally yeah if that comes out that like that came out after as well that he was actually being really good um and he was being like a, a beneficial landowner 
a landlord, you know, and not being really kind of supportive of these young students, then yeah, that's really electable. So the fact that comes after the fact is kind of kind of sucks for, for Patterson. But then, you know, that's the point. Frazier's kind of ruined it. So he can't, you know, there's no coming back for him. Frazier is sitting in the Eames in the apartment. I feel like there should be an Eames klaxon um, every time this happens because I just love seeing him in the Eames. Um, and Martin reminds me in this moment of a lot of people I know, particularly my own family. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get into partisanship, but I mean, my family and I don't necessarily vote the same way. And we don't really talk about politics that much. We don't really, you know, we don't let it interfere with our relationship with each other, which I don't think anyone should ever do. Um, but I feel like in the past, there have probably been elections and decisions where they've maybe been a bit, you know, jokingly gloating that my outcome didn't come. And I think Martin just, you know, he's being a bit of a being a bit of a douche, but kind of, you know, it's expected, I think, in this scene. Yeah, I think that I don't see any way this plays out without Martin taking the mick a little bit. Yeah, he's always going to be. He's itching from the start, isn't he, to kind of quash them yeah and i think again i think it's done in the right way because again he's he's making he's taking the mick out of i think frazier more so than he is patterson yeah he is isn't he kind of like this is what you get for kind of your blind loyalty to to politicians or something or, or maybe for getting involved at all um yeah, uh, the way he goes the big boys why he says you know uh you're quite a hero down at Thorpe yeah, Court, such sort in the world, you've won it for it? him real sort in the word um I forgot about like this quote with I forgot completely that Phil comes back to Fraser's apartment at all and I really love this as a kind of a coda for the episode the quote about you know it was a bit embarrassing that it was over by lunch but I had time to get my dry cleaning and run some errands and stuff um I just I love the fact they don't leave this episode with Phil as the butt of the joke he lost Fraser cocked up he's just a crack job who thinks he got abducted by aliens I love seeing Phil in this in this part because when he says that line, you know, I really wish I didn't believe, but it did happen. There's no laugh track. And I'm so grateful there isn't because I really buy into Phil at this moment. I just think, you know, he's a great one-off character, and there's just a lot of earnestness in this in this episode finale. And I just think it's uh, it's handled really well. You know, I like to believe anything's possible. He says. And me too, Phil. You know, I think that's a really positive thing to end on. Yeah, and I really, in some ways, he reminds me a little bit of, I say, I think I mentioned it before, Tom Durant. Because yeah. the way, like, when in that episode, he says, I'll, I'll learn to love again. Such a good line. I mean, he might be a little bit self-depreciating in, in places, but he's not, he, he might be down, he knows he's not out. He knows, sure. he, you know, I can come back from this. And, he knows and Californians Phil's, love a UFO story. <laughs> exactly, Phil's the same. And, and in fairness to him, if I was in Phil's position, I'd be, I wouldn't be getting out of bed for weeks on end. It'd be a nightmare. But <laughs> he, he picks himself up, anything's possible. And, you know, best of luck to Phil Patterson. I really hope he, hope he makes it in California. So do I, and that, there's a spin-off episode. Um, maybe in one of my Lost Season episodes, Frasier reconnects with Phil Patterson after he does get political office. Um, that would be pretty cool. I'd like to see that in some respects. But yeah, I think I think my bullet points, other than the visual gag of Chopper Day, I think the bullet point I'd like to end on is, is Phil Patterson saying, I like to believe anything's possible. I think that's a really nice, uh, a really nice message this episode puts across. That's politics. It's just one election. I'll be back. You really think you can? Well, maybe I'm a dreamer, but I like to believe anything's possible. Phil, I've got to ask you, uh, do you really believe it happened? I honestly wish I could say it didn't, but it did. I guess you'll never believe it unless it happens to you. Uh, Key, is this episode in your top ten? 
It is not in my top 10. It's not in mine either, but it's very highly regarded. And I would say this features in quite a few listeners' top 10s, probably. It's uh, it's a very well thought of episode. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to say no to this one, but there we go. Um, best actor pick. I've got to go Got to go with you for this. Um, I think, and I, I think we might differ this week, but for me, I think I've got to go with Kelsey. I, I don't mm-hmm. think, for me, I, just, I don't think there's enough screen time, really, for anyone else mm-hmm. for, for me to justify giving elsewhere so for me i'm gonna go with kelsey excellent you say you think we differ who do you think i've picked uh, i mean you were saying earlier about how you you love niles and nabosa hmm. so I, I thought you might go with niles i have gone with niles <laughs> so oh, you're, you're very well uh, very well tweaked there um mainly that nervosa scene and how he is in the apartment um i love the especially now that you've kind of explained it in better terms the way he's trying to fit in there then his kind of sidestepping of the ethics and his moment with Fraser in the kitchen, I think he's really good. Just There's just something about his line deliveries in this episode that just kind of really tipped it over for me. And yeah, I, I can say kind of hand on heart, generally speaking, I prefer Fraser as a character to Niles. I mean, I obviously love them all, but Niles is everyone's favourite, basically. Liking Fraser, you're in the minority, um, like liking him more than Niles, and I do like Fraser more. So my kind of picks for Niles might seem like I'm, I'm favouring him more, but... It just made sense to me this episode, but I completely agree with you. Kelsey steals the show in many respects, so it was a real, real toss-up. Uh, the title um, candidate, have you kind of got anything for that? I was going to say before we go to that, I'm just going to say in terms of the summary of what we're at with. Oh uh, yeah, please read the uh, the tally. Um, we've both gone with Fraser on five occasions. Mm-hmm. We've gone with Niles on four. I've gone with Niles on three. We've gone with Martin on two occasions. I've gone with Martin on three occasions. Mm-hmm. Roz picks up one each. I really, really like this. And one thing I I keep saying to you, but we definitely will do by going next week, um, we're going to go back and just quickly look at the you know the, the notes we made or whatever just remind ourselves what those episodes were and we'll pick our our, our ones for that and then we'll have a, a kind of a better tally so the title the candidate other than the manchurian candidate i don't really have anything else to go on here i don't know if you did i think there's there was a film in the 70s called the candidate which i think had uh, peter boyle in oh okay so there is literally a film just called the candidate um yeah and it's about I'm just reading this out now, but um, hmm. Peter Boyle, a political election specialist, must find a Democratic candidate to oppose a California senator who is a popular Republican. No big-name hmm. Democrat eager to enter the unwinnable race. He seeks out Robert Redford, the idealistic, handsome, and charismatic son of an, a former California governor. Ah, um, there we go. Thank you very much. Okay, so we do have a bit of a title connection there, the candidate. So seek it out if you uh, want a bit more... Well, not more Phil Patterson action, but Phil Patterson by a couple of degrees of separation. You can get it. Um, it's got me said I love Peter Boyle. So there you go. It's got um, key seal of approval. Is it? It's no Maid of Honor, I'm sure, but it's it's probably. I'm sure good. it's not not Maid of Honor, but um, yeah, a bit of Peter Boyle. I mean, I, I'm I know everybody loves Raymond's, not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I'm a big fan. So mm. fair play. I I think it's. It's not. It's a. It's courageous in this day and age to just start, say you like that and just you know be fine with it because people have loved to dump on that show for a long time, and you know what? Fair play to you for enjoying it. I think we should just enjoy what we enjoy and uh, think less about the things that others enjoy and just you know focus on spending time we enjoy. Um, I've got to say, Key, a man on the ground, Kennedy Burling. What would he make of this episode? Uh, Kennedy Burling. As someone who actually chaired the conference with the intergalactic aliens, wow. About what we are doing to our planet. <laughs> he chose Phil Patterson. I was going to ask you which way would he vote if you said Patterson. Yeah, I mean, I imagine Kennedy mm. doesn't. 
he doesn't vote, but he he just chooses who wins at the end of the day, and everyone else votes to suit him. To be honest, I think that's a pretty yeah. He's he's a higher power, so he's got a lot I'm more to behind the scenes. <laughs> I mean, don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Um, but yeah, excellent, <laughs> Kennedy Burling. Thank you, Key. No further explanations needed. He chaired the intergalactic tete a tete and clearly had a very profound impact on young Phil Patterson. Whose crane is it anyway this week, Key? Your quote is just trying to help the guy just trying to help the guy who says that oh god just, just trying, trying to, to help, help the guy. guy okay i feel i need to, to bounce back here because i can't remember the last time i actually got one of these right i do really throw some absolute like curveballs at you to be fair trying to help the guy and again for um the listeners who will know that i should know this by now <laughs> it can be anyone in the episode yeah? anyone who has a spoken line in the episode anyone who has a spoken line in the episode mm -hmm. oh God. One week I might pick a gesture and really just throw you off, but I think we could agree that I'm finished on that day. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh God. I'm um, just trying to help the guy. Just trying to help the guy. Obvious one's Fraser, isn't it? He's saying, oh, "I'm just trying to help the guy. I'm going to do the advert." And... Maybe it's Bulldog, though. I've got a little feeling it could be Bulldog. Maybe it's Bulldog, you say. Maybe he's going in. Oh, I'm just trying to help the guy. I'm trying to take the mick out of him. And oh, okay, it's either Fraser or Bulldog. Who am I going to go with? Um. You've never gone with anyone but the main cast. <laughs> oh, no, I'm overthinking it. Okay. Bulldog. It is Martin. Oh, no, <laughs> it's when Martin's trying to uh, remind Phil Patterson about who he is, and he's about to show him his wound. And then Fraser's oh. like, thank you, Dan. I'm just trying to help the guy. So yeah. there you go. It was Martin. Sorry, Kelly. I really did get you with these. You look familiar, Mr. Crane, but I can't quite place you. Oh, let me give you a hand. Dan. <laughs> The guy. So the next announcement before we go to listener mail is probably what people will be expecting to hear this week. Um, hopefully you can tell from my audio that I sound a little bit better than normal. Key not won't any won't there won't be any change on Key's part just yet, but there will be next week. That is because we were successful in our fundraiser for raising some money to buy some new microphones to set up and continue to improve the quality of the podcast. The response to that GoFundMe, which got 200 reached its 200 pound pledge in less than 12 hours was incredible to me and key bowled us over completely we couldn't believe the response the fact that so many of you have reached out so many of you parted generously with your money every donation was completely just above and beyond um we cannot thank you enough for everyone that donated and i've got all the names here and i'm going to read them out two people in particular were responsible for 75 percent total of the pledge um, so I do just want to I do want to single those two out because they took that kind of extra step that just was not expected or in any way kind of taken for granted. So just as a quick note, most of the people that donated were by default anonymous, which I think is the natural GoFundMe setting. A few people who I responded to didn't realize they were anonymous um, and a few of you said it was OK for me to read your name out loud. I may have forgotten to ask a few of you this. Um, so I, I, I'm assuming because you you donated um, and that's the default option, I'll, I will, I'll be okay to read your name out. If for some reason you don't want your name read out, please contact me ASAP and I can just edit this recording and re-upload it. It won't be a problem. So I'm just going to read out all the people that donated. I'm not going to read the amount out um, because I feel like it might be in bad taste. Everyone's contribution was extremely valuable to us. Um, and I've thanked everyone individually as well. Thomas Hughes, Rebecca Smith, Mike Olson, Magdalena Vasilescu. That might be a terrible pronunciation. I'm really sorry. Ashley Swain, Sarah Shonut, Melissa Callis, 
and Anna C. I'm going to call you Anna C, who is our resident kind of help quiz master. Again, another surname I don't want to kind of attempt to mispronounce. In particular, I just want to say thank you to Mike Olson and Sarah Shona, who showed extreme generosity in their donations. I don't want to kind of go into specifics, but you've probably seen it on, on kind of social media and stuff. But they were they were particularly um, generous in their donations. But everyone who donated, thank you so much. I have a new microphone. It sounds great, I hope, to you guys. Key will have that next week as well. And it was just, yeah, just an amazing success we did not expect. On that note... Um, I just want to just say as well... Oh, yeah, oh yeah sorry, Kim. I'm not allowing you to say thanks. Oh, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much. I, I'm i going to be honest, when we, we thought of doing this, I I didn't think we'd get... Of, of yeah, I thought we'd be lucky to get £10. And I'm just I'm blown away by people's generosity. And I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. I hope, you know... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's great for us and, mm-hmm. and it, you know, hopefully it's great for you. And if there's anything at all that um, people, you know, want us to do or if there's anything that we can do to, um, I don't know, repay anyone for your generosity, you know, please let us know. But thank you so, so much. It means so much. So thank you, really. It does mean a lot. It really does. This is a hobby that's kind of got out of hand. And the fact that we were able to do that in such a short amount of time and rely on so many wonderful people is just testament to the community that's formed around this podcast now. One thing I have set up, because um, I know a few people wanted to contribute to the to the GoFundMe and you know they didn't feel like they had the opportunity because we reached the pledge so quickly, which is not a problem we thought we'd have. Um, I've set up a, a new system, a new feature. This is a website called Coffee, but it's spelled ko dash fi and essentially the website acts as a tip jar for podcasts for youtubers for creatives it's not in any way a subscription-based service all it is is you go there and you quote buy buy a coffee for the content creator that you're supporting so in our case you go to ko-fi.com forward slash fraser pod and it will take you to the we're listening page you can donate. I think the, the smallest amount it will let you donate is £3, which is meant to be their idea of a cup of coffee. And we will just leave this tip jar to accrue um, over time and we can decide as a community what we do with the money. Um, so if you like an episode in particular, more you know more than uh, previous weeks, you might feel compelled to donate. At the end of a season, you might want to chuck some money in there. Again, zero obligation. It's just there as a kind of a, a really small amount, but obviously makes a huge difference. It's not kind of... It's not as formal as a GoFundMe. And it is literally just, imagine, it's like a tip jar on the shelf of Navosa. You're buying us a coffee in Navosa. Think of it that way. Um, one thing we might introduce is some kind of bonuses. So if you donate, you know, £3, you get to ask me and Key any question you want that's not Fraser related or, or is Fraser related. And we'll answer it at the end of that week's episode. If you donate slightly more, we might bring in some new games. For example, people can write in what they think an, a, a better episode title would have been an alternate episode title and we can read out creative responses to that on air if you donate you know 10 pound or something we can put you in a prize draw to win one of my fraser scripts these are all just ideas but it's a one-off payment thing that you can make or not make at any time it's not a subscription um and i think that will just be a nice little thing to leave in the background if people want to use it um well i say as well i think if, if you donate a certain amount and you've got another idea of actually i'd really like this maybe yeah for sure a change you want to see pitch that yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, there's you can leave a message with anything you donate and anything you want, a, an episode of the podcast on something completely different that we haven't done yet. Maybe we could do that. So um, just something to bear in mind. And I also want to say a massive thank you to Corey, Mischief Knight, one of our quiz masters, for his amazing tech support in getting GoFundMe to work because I had loads of issues logging in and just generally, yeah, and, and Corey was an amazing help. I was pestering him day and night. So massive thanks to Corey there. Uh, it's due. And that just leaves us listen to mail. Okay, you ready to go listen to mail? I am indeed. Excellent. Raz, who's our next caller? So uh, the first comment we've got in this week's uh, listener mail, uh, Sydney Assbasket just commented, <laughs> The Bishop! <laughs> the um, Bishop! Oh, I always heard it with a priest, but what the hell? The Bishop's even funnier. <laughs> and then uh, Frightened Refugee 55 commented with, Well, I'm sure he'll drift in eventually. <laughs> and speaking of water, <laughs> excellent. Thank you for those two. Uh, Reclier said that what, when Frasier has that line about teenagers, it totally flew over my head. How, sli- uh, how slightly creepy you say it was. About background noise, I'm the complete opposite. I love silence, especially when I'm sitting outside in the early morning or late evening when everyone has gone inside. I do have an app with background noise stuff, although I haven't touched it in years. There's one in particular I love on it, and it's the sound of a distant train occasionally blowing its horn or whatever. Um, I'm going to quickly go to their review, actually, the tiny review for this week. Not the highest on my list of great episodes, but enjoyable nonetheless, especially Frasier's reaction to the alien story and how he acts after. I want to save for last is the scary moment that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. We finally have an answer key. So also Reclia has is a she and she admits she was having some fun with us kind of assigning a different gender to her each week. So we can confirm she's a she. And uh, Reclia put time to put you out of your misery then. My scary moment happened right at the start of, of, of Duke's We Hardly Knew Ye, this is, where Roz is shaking the vending machine. It's the way she yells the word chocolate that genuinely scared me for a second. She sounded so deranged. If I was in that scene holding a chocolate bar, I think I'd be terrified. And I actually went back to listen to this after reading it. And it is genuinely pretty disturbing so i can see why that's been picked i feel if i was in that scene she screamed chocolate i would just throw the chocolate and <laughs> like throw, a grenade out, out, yeah out the door and, uh, <laughs> yeah okay so um next comment we've got a uh, mischief night a great episode gents no worries about the questions i'm just glad it was effective i too have an internal monologue in my head at all times if i don't play music or something while i'm trying to work i won't notice how much time i'm wasting planning thinking not actually doing the work. It's a little like timpani or the orchestra, or the conductor. Some sort of uh, music sound drives me forward. Nice. I think that's a reference to the um, to the they're playing our song episode where Frasier's conducting the theme song. <laughs> it's on about what what drives the uh, drives the music forward. Um, and then he says, um, "Does Key think that maybe we should try and set up Kennedy Burling with Lydia Beaumont?" Sounds like they'd be a smart pair. <laughs> what do you think, Kay? That's a couple I want to see. Uh, just... It is, man. That'd be a good yeah. match. And what I really want is their first date, Niles to sit there doing commentary. <laughs> and it's Kennedy pouring the wine. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, Corey. Um, next, we have Ludicrous Poppinger, who obviously asked uh, some trivia questions this week. Great episode as always. Just caught up with all the episodes and you've left me wanting more. I don't remember you guys saying you were from Birmingham before this episode, but I'd already kind of guessed it, despite living in middle America. I had a co-worker from Birmingham and your accents sounded quite familiar. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, didn't They're really, really impressed. I always assume anyone from another country doesn't know where Birmingham is. And to have someone working in middle America from Birmingham as well just seems left field. So thank you very much, Ludicrous Poppinger. 
I'm really, really proud of, of your co-worker. Just one of us getting out there. Yeah, man, he's made it or she has made it. <laughs> Got uh, Eddie Dean, who says, I've uh, been checking out Fraser podcasts and this is my favourite one. Finally caught up and keep up the good work. Oh, Thank you very Thank much you for very that. Much. Um, some qu- some little extras of Mischief Night here, actually. Martin says Channel 14's running my other spot, but a long way from now in Season 11, Episode 11, High Holidays, Frasier chastises Martin for calling the tourism ad a commercial and not a spot. So there you go. Um, Martin, kind of inconsistently with Martin. First time in a while and possibly the last that we hear of and kind of see Chopper Dave. Exactly my thoughts, actually. I think this might be the... Uh, the last ever mention he has, and he's not even physically present in the scene. And the amount of time they try to cram in Holden Thorpe's call seems really narrow, considering it's the end of the show. Seems forced to let Thorpe get the upper hand. Very interesting. Very good point. point. Um, And I think our final comment from uh, Listener Mail is from Evening Jellyfish, who says, I agree with you that the people of Seattle are unlikely to care about negative weather comments. Seattleites, love that word, of today seem to welcome the reputation. PNW into general bemoans um, the influx of people from other regions. And bad weather is a major thing keeping everyone from moving here. Secret is, I've I've literally just leant forward towards my laptop. (laughs) Secret is, is that Seattle is not actually that rainy. Total precipitation is lower than New York. Though a number of days, uh, though the number of days with rain in the winter is probably higher. There are a lot of grey, misty days, which are wonderful in my opinion. Then summer is dependably dry and sunny. I shouldn't have said this because it does finish with "Don't tell anyone." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and the, the comment ends with uh, "Looking forward to the review of the candidate." Fraser's pitch is so memorable. Cares about little people the little people the same joys thank you evening jellyfish um, and thank you everyone who wrote in this week for listener mail next week we'll be looking at season two episode eight which is adventures in paradise part one we'll be meeting the uh, the lovely madeline marshall and going to bora bora hubba hubba with fraser and madeline but other than that i've been will i've been k and thank you very much for listening to we're listening Hi everyone, Will here. Just a quick one. The coffee count for this episode was one. Fraser has a coffee. Niles doesn't have any, which brings the total to 37. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you, Peg. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled.